God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. Any idiot can write voiceover narration to explain the thoughts of a character. That is Brian Cox playing the famous scriptwriting guru Robert McKee in Spike Jones's movie Adaptation. I begin here because all too often we are told that voiceover is used to cover up bad plotting. Although the notion of voiceover is literary in origin, it is the narrator's voice, voiceover in film actually originated in the silent era. Quite the paradox, yes, but it is as simple as this. The equivalent of voiceover in the silent era was the intertitle card. When the plot became too complex to be conveyed by way of images alone, the intertitle card was used to fill in the gaps. So, for the most part, voiceover is used to fill in the gaps. But there are simply far too many good films that use voiceover for it to be dismissed as flaccid and sloppy. Taxi Driver, Apocalypse Now, Trainspotting, The Princess Bride and The Royal Tenenbaums are just a few titles that work in ways that are anything but sloppy. They work because the voiceover adds layers to the story's texture. Take this from Goodfellas. People looked at me differently and they knew I was with somebody. I didn't have to wait in line at the bakery on Sunday mornings anymore for fresh bread. The owner knew who I was with, and he'd come from around the counter. No matter how many people were waiting, I was taken care of first. Our neighbors didn't park in our driveway anymore, even though we didn't have a car. At 13, I was making more money than most of the grown-ups in the neighborhood. I mean, I had more money than I could spend. I had it all. The great thing about that particular piece of narration is that while we hear Henry Hill telling us all about going to the bakery, what we actually see is something completely different. In the hands of a less gifted director, we would see Henry going to the bakery and skipping the queue. But since this is Martin Scorsese, we get something else and are surprised in the process. What we see is Henry smashing up cars and setting the light. And it is in the discrepancy between what we see and what we hear that the voiceover works. We've all heard of the phrase, reading between the lines. Well, good voiceover does something similar. It provides a discrepancy between what is seen and what is heard. And in the case of Henry Hill, he sees not a contrast, but a cause. He smashes up the cars and his status in the neighborhood soars. One day, one day some of the kids from the neighborhood carried my mother's groceries all the way home. You know why? It was out of respect. An interesting aspect of the voiceover is to use a narrator who is not involved in the story. This is third-person narration and instantly distances us from the proceedings, so we are not as emotionally involved in the events. Instead, we evaluate them, and from a distance. A very good use of third-person narration is Todd Field's Little Children, starring Kate Winslet, Patrick Wilson and Jennifer Connelly. In the film, Patrick Wilson and Jennifer Connelly are married, but Wilson is having an affair with Kate Winslet. Sexual tension is an elusive thing, but Kathy had pretty good radar for it. It was like someone had turned a knob a hair to the right, and the radio station clicked in so loud and clear, it almost knocked her over. Once she became aware of the connection between them, it seemed impossible that she'd missed it before. On a hunch, Kathy dropped her fork, in the hopes that while retrieving it, she would catch Sarah and Brad playing footsie. But she was mistaken. It is worth noting that for the most part, the third-person narrator is usually male. I can't say for certain, but I suppose that tendency stems from the whole assumption of male authority. But how about this, again from Martin Scorsese? It invariably happened as everything happened in those days, in the same way. As usual, Mrs. Julius Beaufort appeared, unaccompanied by her husband, just before the jewel song. And again, as usual, 
rose at the end of the third act and disappeared. New York then knew that a half hour later, the Beaufort's annual opera ball would begin. The Age of Innocence is adapted from a novel written by a woman, Edith Wharton. So in that respect, you would expect it. But what about this? It began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarf lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else desire power. So that's Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Now, I know Galadriel is a character within the movie, but the reason we hear her voice and not, say, Gandalf or Frodo is because, well, Galadriel is the only one who was around way back when the rings were made. What I'm saying here is that the narration has to be plausible. If you're using a character within the story as the narrator, it's not all that smart to have them reveal information about scenes where they were not present. Here's an example of a film that used a voiceover to fill in the blanks and in so doing, all but ruined everything else it had going for it. And that's just not my opinion. The director and lead actor agree. Gaff had been there and let her live. Four years, he figured. He was wrong. Tyrell had told me Rachel was special. No termination date. Know how long we'd have together. Who does? So, using a narrator, be they first or third person, is tricky. Now imagine giving yourself multiple narrators. That's so difficult, very few films try it. Citizen Kane and All About Eve succeed in doing it, and more recently, Alexander Payne did it brilliantly in his 1999 picture, Election. Dear Lord Jesus, I do not often speak with you and ask for things, but now I really must insist that you help me win the election tomorrow, because I deserve it and Paul Metzler doesn't. Dear God, I know I don't believe in you, but since I'll be starting Catholic school soon, I thought I should at least practice. Let's see, what do I want? Dear God, thank you for all your blessings. You've given me so many things like good health, nice parents, a nice truck, and what I'm told is a large penis, and I'm very grateful. You see, when it comes to voiceover, audiences are automatically predisposed to believing what they are told. For the most part, the narrator is someone we trust, and you can trace that particular dependency to literature. I mean, why else is it written in the Bible, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God? For millennia, that trust was, well, gospel. It was written in stone. In more recent times, however, there has been a growing mistrust. Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights, Thackeray's Barry Lyndon, Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, Dostoevsky's Notes from the Underground, and one of the greatest World War I novels, The Good Soldier by Ford Maddox Ford. All these novels have what we call the unreliable narrator. And once you allow for an unreliable narrator, well, pretty much anyone or anything can narrate the story. Listen to this. It's an article written by an organ in the first person. I am Jack's medulla oblongata. Without me, Jack cannot regulate his heart rate, blood pressure, or breathing. There's a whole series of these. I am Jill's nipples. I am Jack's colon. Yeah, I get cancer. I kill Jack. Ask yourself, would Fight Club have worked? Would the entire conceit have been anywhere near as satisfying, let alone surprising, had it not used voiceover? 
When you think about it, the film's theme is so heavily reliant on it that the narration itself becomes part of the texture. Once you succeed in weaving the narration into the very fabric of your story, the possibilities are endless. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. So, after all that, the question is, can you believe a word I have just said?